This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, well, who doesn't like dungarees apart from if you... Oh, no, it's easier for boys. Problem for girls who wear dungarees and go for a wee... You often get a dangly strap in the toilet. Well, I'm just going to do a quick intro, then it's in the bag, as they say, and then I can relax. Hello, and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics by honest conversations. This week, we're going to be looking at happiness. Today's guest is one of my mum's very favourites. In fact, anyone who I've told that I'm interviewing him has said, oh, I really like Will Young. I really like Will Young, or I do before I've met him properly. Let's hope I still think that at the end. I'm sure I will. Will shot to fame in 2002 after winning the first series of Pop Idol. He's released seven albums, four of which have hit number one in the UK charts, and he has 10 million record sales and two Brit Awards to his name. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Will is a leading voice in mental health awareness. His highly acclaimed book, To Be a Gay Man, explored mental health awareness, particularly within the LGBTQ plus community with a focus on gay shame. He has a podcast, The Wellbeing Lab, where he interviews experts on different mental health topics. And his second book, which I'm now going to show to the screen, Be Yourself Only Happier, is released very, very imminently. It's a very, very impressive body of work. And I'm very interested in how all of that links to happiness. Now, I'd like to start with three kind of quite chilled questions, Will. Go on. Which are, how are you really? What's your star sign? And what's your favourite crisp? How am I really? Uh, quite tired, because I, um, I'm quite tired. Um, I don't know my star sign. I know I'm on the cusp, I think. When's your birthday? January the 20th. So I think I'm Capricorn Aquarius. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. varies. Um, yeah, my ego likes to think that that means I'm special. Um, and my favourite crisp is a skip. Have you had one recently, though? No. They, they, you literally eat a packet and it's it's like, it never happened. It's like air. It really is. Only quavers. Yeah, they are great. They're both very nostalgic crisps, aren't they? But they're not a satisfying crisp. No. No, I suppose, I mean, if we're thinking of hearty crisps that are going to fill you up, we've got to really go to Twiglets. Love a Twiglet. But then are they a crisp or are they a snack? It's difficult. I mean, I feel like crisps really would, I'd say, potatoes, but then all these other root vegetables, I don't know. I don't know. Let, let's hero the Twiglet because it is great. And I think we should hero the Twiglet because I think it's an 80s stalwart that's 
really stood the test of time. And I think we should, I mean, should it get a knighthood? <laughs> they are delicious and they're not that bad for you either, I don't think. No, they're probably not. Sort of no. marmite yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna find myself eating some Twiglets later today. I think. Well, and at least we're gonna get some free ones. I hope. <laughs> Never works like that. I'm saying Twiglets. Twiglets. <laughs> Twiglets. You'll see a sudden surge in them, and they won't know why. It could be this. <laughs> so, to get into the idea of happiness, can you tell me a, a moment that you can think of where you felt genuinely happy? Well, happiness is a continuum. I think it's very different to content, contentment mm-hmm. and um, a sense of peace. Um, so when did I last feel genuinely happy? Oh, about five minutes ago. I, was, I had my dog on my lap. I mean, he's not a lap dog. He's enormous. Um, what is he? He's an American pit bull. Um, oh, right, yeah. Uh, but he thinks he's a lap dog. Um, yeah, and I can hear the birds tweeting, and that's making me rather happy. So it's like happiness to me is not actually the uh, happiness. I mean, I used happiness on the cover of the book because I think that's a more known word, I suppose. But mm-hmm. actually, maybe I should have used contentment. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should have used that. Um, yeah. Because happiness, you know, I link in with sort of sadness or anxiety or um, excitement. You know, they're very movable emotions. But I think peace and contentment is and can be a much more constant. You know, I can be content and peaceful, but also feel sad at the same time, if that makes sense. Wow. Because I was trying to, as you're speaking, trying to think whether in order to be happy, I need to be content. But actually, and I, as I get older, I know that that is what I like. And as you say, if you'd say picture being happy, it would be much more simple things now of compared to what I would have been striving for in my 20s or 30s. And actually, yes. in some of the ways which are big shouty happiness in my in my life, I've been... I haven't been at all content and therefore have I even been happy? Well, I think you could be because I think maybe it's good to then think about joy because, you know, joy mm. is a very different thing to happiness. So now I think joy is a wonderful word. Yeah. Um, joy feels big and open and expansive and sharing, you know, sharing the joy. I think joy is a much stronger word than happy, actually. Tell you what my problem with happiness is, is that I think in a sort of capitalist society, people often sort of like are telling us what we need and what we should have mm-hmm. normally for spending money to, you know, to be happy. Um, so I wonder if happiness has been kind of hijacked a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think contentment, you know, groundedness, um, self-esteem, you know, self-esteem yeah. is a huge one. Pierre Melody talks about, um, and I talk about it in the book, you're either in your, and I love Pierre Melody. I think she's like, I mean, I'm sort of, am I obsessed? I think possibly, um, <laughs> you know, you, you're either in your self-esteem or you're not in your self-esteem. Mm. You can't have low self-esteem. You have low confidence, but you're either in any moment. So at the moment, 
right in this moment, I'm I'm in my self esteem. You know. Yeah, you're in you're in your great bed. You've got dungarees on. You've got, yeah. and I'm feeling good. You know, I'm not questioning myself. I'm sharing with you very openly. Mm. Not feeling, not sort of. There's not much chatter going on. Mm. Um, I might be out of my self esteem in two minutes' time. It's a little bit like Buddhist. You know, the Buddhists say you either live in fear or love at any one stage. It's a mm. great way of breaking down things, actually, because. I can ask myself, right, in this very second, am I coming at this from fear or love? I'm like, oh, I'm coming at it from fear. Oh, okay, well, that's interesting. That's kind of informed everything. But it's interesting how you, as you say, you can be in your self-esteem and then from nowhere you can, that that can be switched and you're suddenly like, oh, everything's falling apart. Yes. And it, again, it can be, you know, it can be from the smallest thing, can't it? From a way someone looks to you. To, it, again, if you're like hyper vigilant on these, uh, if, a tone of voice, uh, yes, whatever, and then you're like, oh, uh, suddenly this bubble's burst, and then yes. it's trying to put yourself back into that positive place. Yes, the key is to the key is to come back to oneself more quickly. You know, so we're always going to get rocked, but the key is to come back. And the more that we practice that, the more easier it is, you know, because, and, 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 you know, you can think like when we're born, it's a little sort of bundle of skin and bones and quite a loud voice. Um, <laughs> we're not born with low self-esteem, you know, kind of born rather beautiful actually. So mm. I just want to come back to that, but you know, stuff gets in the way nurture nature society all those kind of things see that's interesting because i've been wondering whether true contentment or happiness and yeah as you say it's, it's nuance is points when you feel most yourself and therefore truly in your esteem or maybe when there's less noise to to make I you think, question that i think i have a working theory which is that if we feel loved and if we feel heard, which is then feeling validated, mm -hmm. we then, everything kind of slots into place. So often if people come to me, if I'm mentoring them or I'm trying to help them find the right therapist or, you know, whatever, I will make sure that I hear them. So I will... I mean, these are all things I've learned in my own mm -hmm. journey, my own therapy. Everything that I write about in the book is from, you know, my own experience. Um, so I repeat back what I've heard. I make sure that I have heard it correctly. And mm -hmm. it's so interesting because you, I would just observe people just, they're just calm, you know. So I think, aha, okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to write about validation and the importance of being heard um, in the book. They calm. Mm. Because suddenly they're not, they're feeling hurt. But I was really interested to see that in the book because I think there's also this dialogue around, oh, you shouldn't be constantly seeking outside validation, which is something I definitely try and work on in myself. But then it's, it is human nature to, to want to feel heard, isn't it? Well, I, and I talk about that in codependency. You know, actually, the codependency camp of like, you know, we are, we can look after ourselves. We don't need outside validation. But validation is, a, it depends what we're looking for. You know, if mm -hmm. I'm looking for validation 
by um, buying a new dress because I think, and I do wear dresses, um, because I think that that's going to make people think I'm this type of person. That you know, I'm that the, the the foundations of that are, are building on you know they're built on quicksand. It's pointless. Mm-hmm. But we all need validation, and I think sometimes because of codependency you know people think no we should never need validation yeah of course we do just mm. make sure you get it from the right place yes. you know, we need validation from our partner and and true validation is is someone hearing me is someone hearing my emotions and validating my emotional state um it's really as simple as that yeah can you tell me 20 times a day that my lips are lovely? It's <laughs> yes. Then it's like, oh, you're going to be a bit of a nightmare. No. Yeah. So maybe that's something in that it's like it's validating it very external, kind of vacuous, irrelevant things isn't the way. But someone checking in with what you're feeling and your experience of a situation is it's not something to crave, but it, that, that, that does add value of course that's it's interesting isn't it this whole idea of avoiding codependency but I think in times of my life I've gone so far in trying to be so capable and trying to be my own island that you end up being stuck there yeah. because you don't you lose the ability to ask for help and you, yes. you lose the ability to to feel vulnerable and, yes. and need other people because that can end up feeling scary needing people it can be of course and if it's if we have past experiences you know that stuff that we need to work on and you know validate for ourselves um but actually i think there's a huge amount of healing that i've experienced by other people hearing me and by the way hearing me not trying to fix me mm-hmm. i don't want to be fixed i don't mm-hmm. need to be fixed i just love being heard there's a huge amount of conflict that happens in the workplace you know right up to bloody world events where people don't feel heard Mm. and that's where problems happen um you know when we feel heard uh some bosses are really good at it most probably aren't you know to be honest most people aren't great at hearing people Mm -hmm. um work out the people that are hearing you um you know because they're the ones that and it's not the ones that go for example here's a key one Oh, don't be angry. You don't need to be angry. Or don't feel sad. It's like, it's like let's just break that down. Mm-hmm. You're saying, don't feel that. But it's become such a normalised part of our language. Mm-hmm. That we as friends go, oh, don't feel sad. It's like, I am feeling sad. Don't tell me not to feel sad. Mm-hmm. We've got to look at how language is, you know, and that's come up from society. That's come up from how we've been brought up, you know. so. We're often we often invalidate each other without even mm. realizing it. Mm-hmm. And also that we we don't say oh don't feel happy. So but and what yeah. I've learned is that no. all emo- all emotions are as valuable as each other. So you can't like knock on the head the ones that you don't like the idea of. Exactly. It's you know often what I say is it's not the the emotions that are necessarily difficult. Let's take grief, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, grief is actually a beautiful, beautiful emotion, but it can be the stuff that blocks us to get there um, because of how we've been raised, because of the mm-hmm. culture that we grow up in. Oh my God, don't feel anything uncomfortable. So let's say I feel grief. Grief, actually, once I get there, is very pure. 
outpouring, outpouring of grief, but it will be the discomfort that comes with it that I'll react to it and go, no, I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to feel mm-hmm. that. You know, those are the things that are that are difficult. You know, and those are the things that we need to unpack so that we can as quickly as possible feel those uncomfortable feelings and know they're not going to hurt us and let them come out. That's so true. It's the quashing of things and also the, the then feeling a bit mad. I was feeling anxious about something yesterday. In fact, I, I'm, I'm wearing this glucose monitor just to see how it affects my work in the gym. And I was worried about the numbers and someone was just like, stop being worried about that. I was like, well, no, I am feeling worried. And by you telling me that, you've added this level of madness to it. And now I'm even more worried. Yeah. And also, why are they saying stop being worried? Because they can't cope with your worry. Yeah. And and then, yeah, if you're an anxious person, that just is like, sends you haywire where you want someone to say to you, I see that you're feeling anxious. Give yourself some time. Yeah. And you'll probably feel better. And that's actually, even as I'm saying, I feel my nervous system drop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and there you go. There's proof in, in the pudding. You know, it's like, oh, I totally, yeah, I totally hear you that you're feeling anxious about wearing your glucose and you're wearing your glucose monitor and I make up about what the results will be. Completely validate that. Makes sense. Yeah. And the next yeah. thing you know, you've moved on. Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Otherwise that whole bubbles through your whole day. And I'm thinking about that in, in this context of happiness, actually, because where I've gone wrong before, I've been in situations where I feel like, oh, you know, you go on an amazing holiday or you go to a beautiful <laughs> event and you're like, oh, I should feel happy now. I should feel happy. But often even those things come with some anxiety or some stress and and you you get into your mind that you shouldn't have any of those things because this is a happy thing. How dare I be feeling sad or anxious or or frustrated? Yeah. And then suddenly you've actually ruined the happy thing because you're feeling bad about the negative, supposed negative emotions. Yes, I call that New Year's Eve syndrome. Um, yeah, or, <laughs> or birthday syndrome. You know. Oh, I ruin my birthday every year. Not yeah, this year, yeah. my 40th. But... but you know, like, it's... um. We forget they're different parts of us as well, you know. So, yeah, there might be one part that's thinking this is brilliant, but if another part's come up that's maybe a younger part, you know, Mm -hmm. we're very unforgiving of those things and we put a hell of a lot of pressure on ourselves. Mm -hmm. I write about Christmas in the book because I write about steps on how to handle Christmas because I, I had a brilliant therapist called Lois Evans and she told me how to handle Christmas. And, um, you know, Christmas is a massive pressure cooker Mm. of forced fun you know and um so it's that idea we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to feel happy the whole time yeah and and the thing is I always now I've realized again into my 40s that anything with high expectation of course life can't live up to that because that isn't how life works it doesn't all go along like a blooming Disney movie and and yeah Christmas is I, I was pleased to see that in there because I I I find Christmas incredibly triggering and yeah. and I, I definitely know that we're not alone on that that is a, a, across across the country there'll be people having difficult days but what I've learned and actually this is one of the few good things from the pandemic that what suits me for birthdays for Christmas is make things low-key and then build on it 100% have no expectations 
don't have expectations yeah. but that doesn't mean being pessimistic no have expectations um you know actually i now really enjoy christmas but i have no expectations and mm. so i just say it's another day think about christmas also if you break it down it was purely a marketing thing anyway mm -hmm. well christmas is only red because of coca-cola you know it's ridiculous so it is about just breaking things down and not unfortunately though there is a hell of a lot of pressure if you take something like christmas you know everyone looks happy in the adverts everyone's like you know i'm like show me that family yeah, it doesn't exist. You know, it's going to bring up a hell of a lot of stuff. Um, so my thing for Christmas is get in and get out. I mean, I actually love Christmas now, and I, you know, but get in and get out. If you're feeling wobbly, get in, do it, back to safety again. Yeah, and that's so true with lots of things, particularly around family. But you're just, I always try and leave at the bit before anything's kicked off, before anyone's been triggered. Before, and it's always nice to leave a situation wishing that you could stay a bit longer. And then actually maybe next time you could stay a bit longer. But there's a, there is a point when things begin to turn sour. And if you can avoid that and, and begin to have happier memories of things, I think that's really positive. Yeah, and it's all about safety. I mean, I, I, I use an example in the book of a friend who over this Christmas, you know, had a, a thing. And and that friend took themselves away from the situation and, and he, you know, left the family and went back to his home. Um, and I said, you've done exactly the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's just break it down, what's been going on over this apparently like family all together Christmas time. Mm -hmm. You're being um, shouted at by your father. You're being um, maligned by your sister and mother who also have some weird sort of relationship you know this is toxic yeah. beyond toxic get the hell out of there mm. and i guess that becomes from these like ideas of being obligated for things or, and what we should be doing and what we ought to be doing and yeah. it's so much better to opt into things wanting to do them and then the energy is so much different yes obligated and also a desire that if if only it was different mm. you know maybe that's something to grieve well, it's not the case, you know, it's not the case. So grieve that. Um, That's yeah, so holiday. true. That's so true. And again, the holidays, I think, is a really interesting example. Often we're working towards these kind of hallowed weeks or a couple of weeks where everything will be great and you'll all get on well and it, you're in, you know, you're in lovely locations. But people are just people and, you know, everyone's had a row on holiday. It's That's completely normal, but it, it's easy to spiral into this, oh, why don't we, why aren't things great even on holiday situation? But it's just yeah, not but the way. Yeah, holiday, you might like, you know, you might not like being away from home. You might prefer, mm. you know, might trigger your nervous system. You might prefer being at home. You might not feel safe in a new country. People speak a different language. You don't have your routine. It actually could be the opposite of feeling wonderful and relaxed. It could be, but it's not doesn't work for for a person's nervous system. You know, I had a period and there's no way I was travelling anywhere. No way. I couldn't leave. I couldn't go to another country. I couldn't get on a plane. It was like crazy for me. You know, my nervous system was so triggered. I needed basic routine and even that was difficult. And do you... Do you are we talk is that around the time of your breakdown? Yeah. And can you talk yeah. 
Can you talk to me a bit about that? Did you did you have an awareness that the, the, that the wheels were coming off? Did you feel kind of unhappy or was it a, a slow crash? I felt unhappy leading up to it. And then I was like, oh, oh, I'm having a breakdown. I was like, I've read about these, these mythical things. And, and um, literally that third voice or whatever, you, that voice in your head saying, oh, this witnessing yourself. Yeah, because I was like not getting out of bed, couldn't get out of bed, wasn't eating, wow. you know, found it very difficult to go outside. And I thought, oh, this is proper breakdown territory. Um, and part of me kind of enjoyed it. I was like, oh, I'm having a breakdown. You know, <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I told more people, you know, I mean, like you never guess I'm having a breakdown. You could have put it on your email signature, couldn't you? You know, I should have. I should have had a T-shirt made. Um, so wow. it was, but I mean, like, you know, it was a dissembling of lots of things that I'd hung on to that I thought were important. They weren't important. Of course, mm -hmm. I was going to completely unravel, had to work out what was important. And that was going to send my body into flux for a long time. Um, and that's not easy um, no. when when one has patterns and routines and, behaviors and things that we've been taught that those are the things that make you happy you know we all know it material stuff in the end doesn't solve your attachment problems or you know all that stuff we all know it um so yeah it was very difficult um and it and I had to sort of work on rebuilding myself but what was brilliant was you know during that I was accruing lots of information and and I also I was very fortunate that um, that I could get treatment and that I could afford it. I was very fortunate because I know, you know, the dire situation that mental health is in in this country and, also, and, and how to get it, you know, how to get help. You know, the whole system is really failing, unfortunately. Um, so I knew I was very lucky and I went everywhere from trips to Chicago to for like top scientific things to seeing mm -hmm. shamans and everything in between so I thought well I need to put this all in one book and I was reading a lot of books but you know some books I'd read written by a professional for professionals they'd mm -hmm. never been through it um but I might glean one bit of information I thought well that's the bit of information to put in the book you know so my hope is that people you don't necessarily have to read everything you know hopefully there's just lots of things that are condensed into this book that that will just explain things a lot of it's about explaining mm. um because that's what I learned oh well that's why I do that because often we sit there and we think well why am I doing that why are my relationships not working why mm. am I always ruminating about my exes you know why do I do this and and when we know why we're more forgiving so we're like oh okay and also we don't feel alone because we think, oh, well, other people do that. Actually, I'm quite boring and mundane. Other <laughs> people have the same thing. <laughs> you know? Did you feel scared in amongst in, in amongst that? Yeah, um, well, it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it was it was the um people call it the hero's journey. People call it the night of a thousand whatever I mean it was awful and it went on for a few years dreadful I was clinging on by my fingertips 
But luckily, I had enough resilience and determination to get better. And could you then, on the other hand, observe as you were moving out of it? Was it a case of, yeah, could you observe that? I think so. Um, I think I could observe it, yes. Um, I mean, there was obvious noticeable things like not being so dissociated. So dissociation, symptom of anxiety, um, you know, you don't really know where you are, you're not really taking things on, you might have brain fog, lots of different things. So I notice, okay, well, I'm sort of not so dissociated. I might might start sleeping better. You know, mm-hmm. my bowel movements are better because I got, you know, I just got awful IBS. Um, uh, I mean, then obvious things like I'm not feeling suicidal. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I yeah. must be feeling a bit better. I'm not feeling suicidal. Um, so the thing about suicidal ideation, this is an important thing, actually, is that People get terrified if you mention suicidal ideations. Mm-hmm. But what suicidal ideations, suicidal thoughts are, are a symptom, are a message of, my mm-hmm. gosh, you know, I'm feeling really in this low place. Um, so when I've had it, I don't shame myself about it. Mm-hmm. There's also shame that comes with it, like, oh, I mean, they're suicidal, thinking about suicide. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just another symptom. It's just another symptom. If I get suicidal ideations, I'm like, wow, okay, so this is like an eight out of 10 day, mm. you know? Um, okay, that's interesting. I observe it. If I ever get to a point where I think it becomes like a tractor beam and it starts pulling me, you know? And if I think, am I making plans? I've only ever had that twice. And then I'm immediately on the phone to someone. Immediately. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? So that's to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Suicidal ideation. And then if suddenly it becomes a real focus. Watch out for that. Then you get on the phone to the Samaritans. You get on the phone to someone. Somebody. But you're so right. It's the same. I definitely relate to that. Oh, I've had, a na- I've had this bad thought. And then because I'm now worried about that bad thought, I'm actually sending myself further down the line rather than seeing it as a, a, a point to take note of and think, oh, I need to lean deeper into whatever is in my toolbox to try yes. and help myself rather yes. than lean deeper into the spiralling fear about myself. Yes, it's uh, exactly. I mean, it is a scary thought. First time I had it, it was very scary. I thought, oh, my God. Um, but, you know, now I've learned you've got little things that are symptoms um, that pop up. We're so quick to judge ourselves. It's such a, it's bad enough feeling things. We're so quick to pile shame on top of it. That's exactly it, isn't but it? find the right people, of which there will be very few, by the way, not the people we think, who can hear and validate you. And don't share your emotional, it might be upsetting that you can't share your emotional inner world with your best friend. But suddenly Mm -hmm. you realise, shit, my best friend's a fixer. Or shit, my best friend has no emotional inner world work of their own. So they're never going to be able to get it. Mm -hmm. You know, find the people, be a constant barometer for yourself and 
you know, I think I write about being curious in the book. I had a therapist, um, Katrina Morton, who I interview on the podcast. Um, and she always said, be curious about that. And when I was like really ill, I was like, fuck off. I don't care about being curious. <laughs> um, but, you know, actually notice how you feel around certain people. Notice, you know, as I heard you say earlier, oh, when I'm thinking about it being validated with my glucose monitor, my nervous system is settling notice those things mm. well, that's so true about your friendships as well that I'm beginning to learn that you you can be banging your head against a wall if you if people treat you or your relationship is a certain way and you keep going back to it hoping it's going to be different and hope it's going to be different and there are things you can do to change relationships but also sometimes you just go actually you aren't the right person for this yeah. dialogue and yeah. and actually all you're doing is is picking the wound if you keep trying for something yes yes and maybe repeating patterns from the past you know yeah like a really good friend of mine they just do not have the emotional capacity was it very upsetting when I realized that yes and I just and would that person be really upset if they realized I don't deliberately share my inner world with them yes but they don't have the capacity for it and no. so I found a new place for that friendship. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do me or maybe even them any good sharing it. And, and no. it, it's fine because it means I can, you know, don't expect from people. Uh, by the way, I hate those things like, here's an angel card, pick it out for the day and read it. I'm like, fuck off. But <laughs> there are some sayings that I love and, and very few and one of them is don't expect from people what they're not willing or capable of giving mm. um and i think it's a goodie that one yeah um, it was never written on an angel card i just want to let you know that um it was 10 like 10 rules to live by that my old therapist gave me um but that's a good one because then i'm not setting myself up for disappointment but it yeah. is really disappointing when we start doing inner work of who we can share it with sometimes it's not our partners you know, sometimes relationships have to end. So it's like, hang on a sec. Mm. We are allowed to grow as people. Mm. We can flourish. We can, like, spread our wings. We can do that. And sometimes it means a lot of change in life. You know? Yeah, and it's it's scary to, to experience that. But I, I think it was Florence Gurren, I can't remember the quote, but there's a lovely quote about sometimes people then come back into your life. I've, yeah. I've got one really good friend who's gone on this sudden, quite unexpected big journey of kind of self-development. And I said to her recently, I'm so glad to have you here with me. I hadn't have foreseen this a couple of years ago. And people do get there. You're right. They do. And that's, I've seen and that's really lovely. Very surprising people. And I thought, wow, that person's changed. You know, and but, suddenly you're having this conversation and it's like belonging to a club. You know, it's a bit mm. like, aha, <laughs> yes. Yes, there is such a thing called boundaries. But you yeah, it's a real lesson to to stop um to to stop going over and over those cycles. You know, often you've got two courses of action. You either say something to someone in a way that you hope will be helpful and shine a light on them or or you change your expectation of them but just to be perpetually frustrated and disappointed is it's no good for anyone no I agree completely I was interested in something you said earlier as well in relation to Christmas when you're like oh that doesn't make me a, a 
pessimistic or a pessimist. And that's something I often think about. I used to really long to be kind of a, a happy-go-lucky person. Like, oh, my word, why do I always make everything so complicated? Why do I always want these really big connections? Why do I, always, you know, want to feel all the feelings? But it's because of all this invalidation that makes that feel complicated. That's just being a human, maybe. Well, when I heard you talk about that, why do I make things so complicated? Why do I always want? You said I heard you say something like something connections, big connections, because you big talk about that in in the book. Like yeah. I realize that is the kind of in any situation, I just want to feel connected to the people, yeah. the environment. Well, I would when I hear you say that, what comes up for me is that is crucial for me. If I'm in an environment where I'm not getting that, it's it it's it's not good for me. Um, mm. And I'll tell you why. It'll be because of past stuff. I didn't get that. I wasn't able to say it. Mm-hmm. And this isn't blaming anyone. It's just the way it was, you know. And so I need that. That is my elixir. That is my like mm-hmm. lifeblood. I can't hang around with people for that long if they're not. If, if I'm not. If I don't feel that I can. Maybe you'll relate to this that I can at any point just share with someone, not intensely, I'm not looking for some intense bloody, you know, moment, let's go and do some yoga breathing for an hour. No, thanks. I'd rather watch Desperate Housewives. But, <laughs> you know, I just want, if I feel like I'm in an environment where I can't share, well, can I just say, I've just been a bit triggered. I just wouldn't mind just talking it through just for five minutes, you know, just to feel heard. And that's all it is, not intense. Mm. Then I then I start feeling feel I'm going into performative mode. Yes. Then I start shaming myself. Then I start shrinking. And then what happens is, I tell you what happened. We split ourselves then because we're splitting off a part of ourselves. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what I've learned is that, so for example, you know, I actually tested uh, positive for COVID, but this morning I tested um, negative. So that's good. Um, And I'm down in Cornwall now. I got up very early and drove down to Cornwall. Um, I'm around my family. Love my family. I also know that I've got my therapist on speed dial if needed. You know, I've got my Mm -hmm. exercise tools with me. I'm doing this, which is lovely, because I feel like I'm sharing with a like-minded person who's open. And I need that shit. Mm. I know what works for me. Mm. And so i got to do it. And when I don't do it, it doesn't work. No, and and you get. I think you get less and less. I'm less able to perform. That's exactly it. I can I can do the bit that we need to do sometimes. You know, whether that be in work or in it, Christmas or whatever the thing is, but not for very long. Not no. for very long. Can I play the game and just have meaningless conversations? And you, <laughs> what is that, what I mean, are we I doing? Up, I would make up. You need that. You know, mm. it is what you need, and. That's what you need. Some people need bloody, probably Lamborghinis and 
you know, they have a trillionaire lifestyle or whatever it is. For you, you need that. And I think that's beautiful. You know, sometimes I get in trouble. <laughs> I do get in trouble because I'm too honest. Because I can't lie. I I'm too honest. Oh, but know, it's a... but I, not honest to be like, oh, by the way, I just want to say I hate your dress. Not in that, like, horrible way, you know. It's more just like, this is what's going on in my life. But I crave it. I couldn't have it for years. You know, I'm really sensitive. I was a really sensitive kid. I was an amazing mm. kid. But, you know, a lot of shit happened. Um, mm. It was no one's fault. Well, not the, it was some people's fault, but it wasn't my parents' fault. Mm. Um, and so I need that now. But, you know, I actually think for me, that's where the healing is. You know, you get spiritual wounding. And, and the key is to be our own be our own navigator and just but you know i could turn into a monster because i need constant attention so i don't want to be a monster i don't want to turn into a narcissist <laughs> you know i want to slowly figure out okay well where do i need what what's good for me that's why i do mental health i love connecting with people and having real conversations mm. you know but you do become the person who at any given thing they're like oh here she comes with the big chat like i'm well, that's you different, can't... though. That's different mm. because that can be addiction to intensity. Now, that's a different thing. Oh, no, don't give me something to worry about. <laughs> well, well, you know what? It's a really good thing to be mindful of. What, a, As my old therapist would say, to be curious about, and it's an opportunity. You know, mm. am I being intense or am I craving and needing some true deep connection yes different things yeah you're right do you know what i mean yeah yeah but you don't you always like when you do meet those people who are super intentional like how can they have so little self-awareness but then maybe i'm that person and didn't realize i don't think i am well you know what i get it though i get it so it's like <laughs> i don't judge it no, i totally get it i used to i used to always have deep and meaningful conversations to be honest i always will i'll always gravitate i went to the pub the other day i don't drink so i was gonna say do you drink i don't drink i knew you wouldn't drink maybe a harder experience mm. so i've been to a pub for a long time who did i gravitate towards well kind of the person that i thought was the kindest there mm. now not judging the other people but for my youngest parts at the risk of sounding wanky they really need that as soon as I go into a new situation, they really need the pers a person there who they feel safe with and that they can be sensitive with. It's just the way I'm built. That's so interesting. How long have you not drunk for? Well, I haven't drunk since before Christmas. Yeah, I just suddenly like got bored of it and, and I feel great. I feel really great. It's so much better. For all the things, so I'm almost three years without drinking, and you know that's a whole complicated conversation. But mainly because, I yeah, it was terrible for my mental health, and it made me be a performative version of myself that I no longer wanted to be. Mm. And even on a very small scale, to be honest, even you know, even if it just gave me, made me a 
and appearing to be more confident person than I am. And then mm. you end up having conversations that don't truly represent you. Yes. And I used to think, oh, that the drunk Clemmy is the real me. No, it's not. There's a reason why that stuff stays internal because it probably ought to stay internal. Well, I mean, well done for, for stopping. And also, you. Uh, as you were saying that, something came up for me and I was thinking, I was thinking the connections that we don't we I try not to look for the connections in the places I'm not going to get them if that makes sense mm -hmm. so in the past what I might have done is try and shoehorn it in you know but it's like no that's not going to happen so maybe I get it from a 12-step group maybe I get it from a spiritual practice mm -hmm. I'll get it from my therapist I'll get it from a few amount of friends but I'll try not to sort of shoehorn it in. And let's say if I know I'm going, so for example, going to the pub on Saturday night, I know that's maybe not going to be, if I'm nervous and anxious about going, I'll need to do something before so I get that fulfilment, you know, mm -hmm. for that part. You see what I mean? Yes. Well, so for me, I found it's, it's a bit like wearing um underwear that squeezes you in if you're if you're going with a bit of social anxiety and then you add booze onto it to tr to kind of soften that that will then for me rear its head the next day whereas if I was a bit anxious about going somewhere maybe now I would go for a bit of a walk beforehand try and like get that out of my body so that I'm not using alcohol to to yeah to, um, yeah to sort my nervous system out I guess yeah. good self-care yeah yeah, but life without alcohol is very, very interesting. It definitely shines a light on all sorts of, of things. And it's something that's so normalised, which is what's interesting. You know, how many people in, in the pub on Saturday night would be okay, would would be performing like that if they didn't have alcohol in their hand? They probably wouldn't be the no. same people. No, they wouldn't. And I have no judgment on that. I've no. been drinking before for a long, for two years, and that was very tough process to 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 sort of see it was just a tough process but because I've done it before I'm I know now you know like mm -hmm. I know before I stopped drinking then I had never even been on a date sober I yeah. wouldn't have had one drink on a date of course and yeah one drink is one drink that's the and thing the idea of that now is like what you couldn't you couldn't go on a date and not have a drink which you means know? basically you couldn't show up as your true self yeah. You know, whereas now I'm like, well, yeah, fine. Yeah. It's funny how we grow and we change. Mm. Yeah, I've just been, so I, I turned 40 a couple of months ago, which is definitely an unbelievable milestone, or it was for me. I feel so many things, a great undoing and a great relearning of myself, but a, a, a definite sense of coming back to who, who I am. But that is a painful journey to get to. Yeah. I love being older. I love it. Yeah, so it's wow. really. I've just been on holiday and I watched some um, teenagers at, at the hotel, and there's this guy trying to impress a girl, and he was in the pool and his teeth were chattering. He was so cold, and he was staying in there just to impress her. And I thought, oh my word, you've got this whole journey to go on ahead of you. I wouldn't be a teenager for all the money in the world. Oh, you see, I didn't mind being a teenager. It was just there were moments in between that were difficult. I feel like I've come back to who I was as a teenager, which was basically wearing secondhand dungarees. 
That's so true. I think maybe like my early teens, yeah, there's a real great bit before your confidence kind of gets knocked, I guess, yeah. when you're in a, a quite a pure experimental version of yourself. Exactly. But everyone has different experiences as well. Mm-hmm. It's true. With your with your disassociation and, and finding yourself, how does that relate to the when you ha- you you're in the public in the public eye when you've been a, a celebrity? For, I guess, for want of a better word, did that does that Will Young feel like you, or does it feel like a different person? Um, I think it does feel like me. Um, you know, part of me would have loved to have had more of a sort of character I think that would have made work easier and had a different name would be yes um, yes probably why I like acting um mm. more freeing way more free you know I love acting because I can like play a psychopath I can play this I can play that mm. um so I feel a bit more restricted as a character on stage I, I would much rather be someone else on stage um and that's not because I don't love myself. It's just it's a bit scary. I don't really want to sit up there. But um, I think that on the whole, it, it, I, I don't feel like I'm a different person. Uh, I'm always interested in how quickly my performer can come out. I always think that's mm-hmm. quite fun. You know, because I'll go on stage. I did a gig the other night. And I was like, wow, you bloody turned it on. <laughs> you know? But beforehand, I was thinking, oh, it's you're, yeah. not really in the mood. But you got it. And then literally, like, a bit of attention. And it's like, I'm, I'm off, I'm off, I'm on. So it, it that always interests me. Yeah. Um, The skill of it interests me. You know, it's a skill. Years ago, I, I did a duet um, a few times, but the first time I did a duet with James Brown, and... He he did something. He noticed something. I won't go into it, but basically, he noticed there was a whole audience that were being left behind because the thing was set up for the for the cameras and for the uh, audience at home. Mm-hmm. And it was a concert in the Mall in London, going up to Buckingham Palace. But there was a whole audience behind, and we're talking like thousands and thousands of people going all the way up to the palace. But because the cameras weren't there, no one was playing to them. He turned round and we went down and played to them, even though the cameras weren't there. And I learned a real lesson from him. I was like, wow. Okay. Mm. And I'm using that as an example, one, to show off that I've sung with James Brown, and two, <laughs> because I'm really proud of it, and two, because it is a skill and it is a talent to be a performer. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, Robbie Williams is a great performer because he's really skilled at it, mm. you know. So I like that whole element. Yeah, it's so true. You can we can that can be lost actually. But you know, if you're standing in front of a crowd of any size, but definitely of a huge size, you've got a room full of people's energy coming into you. Yeah. You know that, and to hold that space for them is extraordinary. And and yeah, you might be a, a someone might be a gifted singer, but the skill to to hold an audience is is something else entirely. It is. My friend, who's a shaman, always says it's amazing the energy in the room and how that can be moved um, by performers and manipulated, yeah. you know, particularly in acting, actually, it's incredible how you can manipulate an audience. I mean, it's, but it's great because you can bring them on this, however you want to bring them on this journey. So, yeah. 
Because I, I also wonder if when we've all been to gigs where they've been, you know, you think of the standout gigs of your life. I would like to think that for the performer, they must have been standout as well. Because I feel like for when things are wonderful, it is because of that shared energy that happens, that magic that you can't quite um, put your finger on. You just don't know. No. You don't know. It's a bit like you don't see the duck's feet doing that. No. There are gigs that are special. But I've learned, you know, I might have a gig that I think is so special and someone might come back and they didn't feel it. I might have a gig where I just, I wasn't feeling it. And people were like, wow, that was wonderful. So what I learned to do as a performer was realise it's a service. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy it, but it's not actually about whether I do enjoy it or not. It's an hour and a half or or up to two hours. And I'm, I'm doing my best to give people a brilliant, fulfilling experience. Mm. Whether I enjoy it, that's a bonus. If I, and what I mean by that is, obviously if I'm like years down the line, I'm like, I never enjoy it. I need to do a different mm. job. But for me, for my, for me to expect to enjoy it day in, day out, is not realistic. No, it's your job. Yeah, it's it's part of your job. job. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's normally, the same. I always yeah. have a moment in a show where I sort of go to lose myself and go to another realm. So, Do you? Yeah, and that's that's very spiritual. It's wonderful. Really, when it's kind of out of body or it's out of body, and it just—I think it's part of music and energy and playing together, playing with live musicians, having the energy of the audience. Yeah, it always something. It always seems to kick off. And what I do notice is that we, as a group, me and the band, will tend to sort of feel it. So it does mean that something is happening. It's real. Um, and that's so beautiful. you know, that's Isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it really is. And I think actually in the pandemic when we've been starved of live, live performance, you, you realise how much these kind of very human interactions are are necessary just to I've been to gigs before where I've been like oh I've not really been in my mind at all while I've been watching that and actually that is exactly what you want maybe for for two hours I did want to completely think about not much at all and, and we, yeah we've been starved of those really yeah, human but, you know, I'll tell you some gigs I've been in my anxiety has been such an awful level and I've just had the worst time ever have you, <laughs> you know, really? I've been watching gigs and I've just been like oh just get through it really yeah, so I don't always love going to gigs. You know, if my agoraphobia is up, the yeah. last thing I want to do is go and sit in a room with people. All being there, being close together. <laughs> I'm worried about time, by the way. Yeah, I've, I've got my eye on it. I'm, I'm conscious too. I've got a couple more things to talk about. A couple of things I just wanted to pull out of the book. Some really small things, which I've been doing this week and they've changed a lot of things. Oh. That thing about when you're talking or writing and you... You say something and then you put a but. Um, yes. I'm trying to think. Can you think of your example that you give in the book? Oh, well, I mean, there's obvious ones like, um, well, I'm really happy today, but I'm sad. Mm-hmm. So, and you mentioned it earlier. I heard you mention, you know, all emotions are the same. Um, I mean, as in they should all be on the same validation, mm-hmm. different feelings. But so rather than I'm feeling really happy today, but I'm sad. I go, I'm feeling really happy today and I'm sad. It's a tiny thing. I learned it. See, that's the thing. It's like things that I've learned. I learned that from 
a love addiction workshop in Arizona. <laughs> and it was the one takeaway I got from it. But my God, it was brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's really huge. It's a bit well, when I was talking about that anxiety yesterday. And what I would like to say is I was feeling anxious, but I know I'm being a bit of a wally. But I, I just don't need to put that button to try and make my feelings palatable for somebody else. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but, you know, sometimes, I mean, I just use yeah. button for me. I think it was, but it's a really good thing to watch out for. Yeah. So, for example, the title of the book, the first suggestion from my publisher was be yourself but happier and I said Ooh. no 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 it's be yourself and happier yeah what yeah. A difference yeah be yourself but happier it's completely invalidating yourself what yeah. comes before it and yeah, it's, it, actually, but it's be really, yourself it's... and happier is like you're already okay how you are mm -hmm. why not see if you can do a bit more yeah, it's 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 really huge. It's it's definitely just one of those things to watch. I learned not that long ago to take all the sorries out of emails, like oh, sorry yeah. to bother you, yeah. you know, sorry I'm late. Yeah. Instead, say thank you for your patience and just those little habits change well the time. Well done. That's a really difficult one. My brother, who's sadly no longer with us, but he was very big on that. He always said, never apologize. Mm -hmm. in that context yeah use sorries when they're they're important and necessary but we sprinkle them especially as british people yeah i, I apologize to a lamppost if i bang into it yeah it Robbie, it... i'm so sorry that <laughs> i've hit you with my very soft hand and your, and your metal you know uh, but you know that's a great one really great example of again just a small thing you know and it does take practice you know yeah. the sorry thing and so yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, sorry, sorry for my delay in this email. No, thank you for your patience. Changes the whole opening agenda on that on that dialogue, and it, we haven't done yeah. anything wrong by being busy and not being able to like get to our emails. We think the we other explain ourselves constantly. We don't. <laughs> not so nobody cares. We don't care. No, we all, and again, especially because we've been to, through quite a shared experience in the last couple of years, we all have a bit of an understanding that our lives have been absolute chaos. So we, I think we all just cut ourselves a bit of slack and then go from that point. Yeah. Hopefully it's good. And then actually, I don't know if it ruins the book, because it's kind of where you end up, but that idea that nobody can make you feel anything. No, oh, look, sorry, can I just say someone's come to say hello? She's woken up. Oh, Hi. Oh. It's the real, the real princess. Yeah, there you I've go. got I've got a Jackson, but I've got a wirehead. A wirehead. No, we've standard. got a wirehead. We've got two of those. He's um he's twelve and so grumpy. He doesn't know what to do with himself. Oh, I love him. I love oh, him. Too. People can't. People can't. No, it's a difficult one to grasp. But people. Mm. Um. No, don't worry. It's fine. Doc can be here. Um. People can't make you feel things um okay now if someone let's say let's say you throw a shoe at me you know, <laughs> be unreasonable if you throw a shoe at me yeah it's gonna hurt so <laughs> you know you have made me feel some pain or well, the shoe has technically um 
However, if I then go into a triggered state and decide to pick up a chair and throw it at you because someone threw something at me, you know, that is my responsibility. That is my, you didn't make me, I chose Mm -hmm. to get angry. Mm -hmm. I chose to get angry. Rage took over. Mm-hmm. Now, what, maybe using physical things as a reason is a sticky area and maybe a bad thing because I know that people, you know, and as someone who did a dissertation on domestic violence and, and gaslighting and things like that, that's a different thing. But essentially, if I've had the example I use in the book is if I've had a massage and I'm feeling all like gooey and wonderful and someone almost runs me over in the street. And let's just say I'm feeling like, I call it my sound of music days when I'm like, hello world. And I go, don't worry about it. Luckily no one was hurt. Be on your way. Same thing happens again. Someone almost runs me over. I jump on the car. I kick, I mm. kick the windscreen. I drag the driver out. I punch them. You know, two different reactions mm. to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Neither of them was I made to feel. Mm-hmm. You know? Neither of them was I made to feel. And when we learn that, we get brilliant self-mastery on ourselves mm-hmm. and we take responsibility. And the other thing is, in, in when we get into conflict with partners often, you know, well, you made me feel this. I didn't. I felt this. Mm-hmm. Another language thing. When you threw the shoe at me, I felt scared. What came up for me was when a teacher used to throw a shoe at me and I felt helpless and traumatised. What I would prefer is you don't throw a shoe at me and then what you do is set a consequence. If you do again, I will leave you. Mm-hmm. You know, So we own our feelings by talking from the I position and we stop blaming others. It takes a while to get one's head around mm-hmm. because our whole language and arguments and everything are like well you made me feel this you know when you said this you made me feel no own how you feel become your own master at it Mm -hmm. and come from that position it's so true and that actually also led us back very neatly to the kind of idea of the topic but that you're in charge of your own happiness and I've really checked in on that myself. I know moments, days when something a bit bad happens to begin with, you know, something fairly small and you've got two paths out of that. You can you can go over and over it for the rest of the day, drive yourself into an absolute state of fury and sadness about it, or you can try and put it in a box, deal with it in a way and shape the rest of your day. And I've definitely been guilty of, of harbouring yeah some difficult thought patterns and and basically the only person I've ruined the day for is myself you know what I would say to that when I heard you say about harboring thought patterns is is the importance of being kind even if that's what's going on yes true because that's just the brain Mm -hmm. so it's like stepping back from that because it's just the brain trying to work something out. Figure things out. You know, maybe the nervous system's triggered 
And so the frontal lobes are going, well, why are we triggered? Or better work it out. You know, it's it's actually almost another step back and being really kind to ourselves and going, okay, well, that's what's going on today. Yes, you true. Know? And that doesn't shit. That isn't a kind of doesn't make for a bad day or a good yeah, day. It's well, just well, it's, it can make it more difficult. But yes. you know, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. That's, I'm never yeah. going to be a Zen master. You know what I've learned though is the is getting it out. Yeah, get it out. Draw, journal, write, talk to people, do some exercise, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Get it out because it's normally the stuckness that is rattling around. Yeah, it's mad that isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's just getting it out. And, it, and it, for me, exercise is a big pathway for that. And you just like, wow, I feel fundamentally like a different person just yeah. because I've managed to get that out yeah and it's sort of annoyingly simple it's annoying all right well yeah just a a, a big walk and often for me actually a shower or a bath has a really similar um me too actually yeah 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 um two quick questions before we wrap up because i am know that producer steve will be feeling tense on the other end of this where can people find you and uh, can you do another quick plug of your book because that's important where can people find me Normally in, a, in, normally in a bric-a-brac shop. Um, <laughs> or in a bed with Daxons and a lovely wall behind. <laughs> um, well, on Instagram, I think I'm Will Young Official. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're around. You're quite people. easy to find. And, yeah, and the book, I'm very pleased, very proud of that. It's an A to Z guide of well-being. It's called Be Yourself and Happier. Very simple, it's... but I think quite effective. Yeah. It, it... Genuinely is. So I try and read people's books, obviously, and prep for this. And often I do a bit of a skim read because I haven't got time. But I genuinely have read your book cover to cover and actually gone back to a few bits. So and I've read a lot of self-help kind of book. It's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, I I, I always read people's stuff. Um, I love what people have to say. I love I love it. Yeah. But the, the important thing for yours is that especially if someone was in a bit of a tricky spot, it's really accessible my brain brain just yeah yeah you can compute it which is my border carriers just turned up now they're all coming in they want to put so my last question because the whole podcast is kind of about honesty is if you could have an honest conversation with one person who would it be and what would you say (gasps) oh oh god I think it probably is an old friend that I ended the friendship. But at the time, I didn't feel I didn't feel safe enough to be having the conversation that I wanted to have. Um, and I completely validate that. You know, mm-hmm. I felt scared of the person mm-hmm. and I didn't want to have that conversation. And I also didn't want to keep the friendship going. So I sort of didn't really see any point. However, um, I would like to have that conversation to get resolution. I don't know if I ever will, but I think I still need to either do some sort of one of those wanky things like write a letter and burn it or, Mm. you know, I think one of those. So Mm. um, that's the first thing that came up. That's my most honest answer to you. It's a beautiful one. I'm just going to share one of somebody else's that I think you might be envious of. There's a, a brilliant account, a girl called The Chief Shepherdess, who I recommend following. Yes. She was a... Do you follow her? Yes. Yeah, I she said... That, she, yeah. 
do you? She said she would have an honest conversation with her dog and found out if her dog really liked her or if her dog was just using her for shelter and food. Oh, that's so sweet. And I was like, you know, potentially sad and heartbreaking. Yeah. And I was like, but what happens if the dog was was like ambivalent and like, yeah, I'm just I don't really like you that much at all, actually. I think this one is as me. Do you love me? <laughs> Mm. yeah not confidently yes um you should write that letter to your friend though i think you you think you do know that even if it never goes anywhere it would it might help you figure something yes, out yes yes i think i will get there it's you know as it's always a process you know it's all a process just, just yeah. noticing stuff you know and, and yeah that's interesting yeah come up well, thank you so much, Will. It's been an absolute pleasure. My mum will be pleased because you're every bit as lovely as as I thought you would be. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's been gorgeous. And have you, did you say you've driven to Cornwall this morning? Yes. What time did you get up? Five. <sighs> but it's fine. It's a long day ahead for you. Well, you're there now, aren't you? Yeah, well, that's why I'm in bed. It yeah, just meant I missed the traffic. I, I made a decision. Yeah. I went to bed early. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's the only way to do the drive to Cornwall, otherwise it can literally take you all day. And it goes sort of quickly, really. Um, yeah, you're there. Have a gorgeous day in Cornwall, then. Thank you very much. It's really very nice, nice to talk to you. You too. Thank you. Oh, wow. That was an excellent chat. I don't know if you could see on the video, but Will really did have an excellent backdrop. He was in bed, he was wearing dungarees, he had his wire over his shoulder and some dachs and bunting. What a great combination. A great backdrop for a lovely, lovely conversation. What an open and interesting guy. And has given me lots to think about, about happiness and actually maybe happiness isn't at all what we're after or what I'm after. Contentedness with bits of joy is something to aim for, but that that is within my control, not in terms of trying to do more exciting things or buy more stuff but in how I experience those situations how I acknowledge and deal with my feelings and as regular listeners will know I am someone who feels all the feelings so that feels crucial to me I hope you found it useful too and I really do recommend his book Be Yourself and Happier it's got so much in there and it's a really easy read which I sometimes worry sounds patronising but I mean I just found it very enjoyable and that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to But Why. I'm really grateful to have you here. Um, please join me next time for more Honest Conversations. In the meantime, rate, review, subscribe. Do all of the above. I really appreciate it. I am going to probably go and obsessively look at this glucose monitor that I mentioned. So it's a Super Sapiens one. I'm doing it as part of the work that I do with my local gym, Crank London. And it's been really fascinating to see how my body reacts to glucose. Um, and trying to make a few tweaks again that, that make my body function in a bit more of a consistent way and avoid spikes. But if anyone's interested, I really do recommend it. For me, I'm doing it to try and work out the nutrition I need for training. But it's generally great just to try and get to a point where I'm not crashing here, there and everywhere. So that's super sapiens. Um, that's it me and my glucose are off now wishing you a very lovely day and catch up with you next time bye bye